podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Contacted his manager, George Allison, who was in hospital at the time, having bollock surgery. Welcome to Pint of Football, the nation's drunkest football podcast, where much like a non-league team about to embark on the playoffs, we are confused and excited to be wasting our Tuesday evening together. 3-0 down in the 13th minute after travelling 234 miles on a midweek night, it's Tom Meadowcroft United. My boss is furious. Playing in front of a record attendance of 73, it's Andy Baxter Athletic. Wagwan. And your host for the evening, I am in financial peril and not relishing the prospect of success. It is me, Daz Napton Rovers. AKA the shorts man. So we're here for In the Mick. We are ploughing through Football Strangest Stories. Because we did an episode about Cuban football with Baxter last week, I've pretty much forgotten everything about what we were doing. So. That's quite nice because it'll be like I'm hearing these stories for the first time. Yeah, Wardy's got that way about him. Really brings you into the scene. You do feel like every story, mainly because of the way it's written, is from a completely different universe. (laughs) Since Tom put me onto the idea that they're all written in a slightly different style as if it's not by one person, I can't think of anything else now. And I sort of compare each story to how the others sound and it's not that I was enjoying it but it's kind of changed (laughs) the enjoyment of it well that's good that's I guess that's what books are all about really isn't it it's about what you get out of them personally it's not necessarily for that for everyone to enjoy in the same way I don't think anyone will have enjoyed this book as much as we have no one's enjoyed this book as much as Wardy (laughs) and possibly his mother oh it's very nice dear I like the bit about the bride (laughs) <laughs> if we're lucky tonight and we get to three stories we never do we only ever do two because we just waffle on two that would be happening. if we do get to the third story here's some inspiration for you both the third story is about Bristol Rovers ooh press on then 1936 ooh. Bristol Rovers that's the, that's what we're aiming for I wonder if I'll know about this alright yeah come on then let's go chop chop yeah so Going back a year, we're in Chester. It's January 1935, and I've decided to call this one Experimenting with the Rules, Part 2. Hey. And again, (laughs) he's changed up his style, and he appears to be just going with five-word sentences in this one. Okay. Like a slam poet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bawdy slams. That's got to be a spin-off. Here we go, then. We're up in Chester. Two referees and two linesmen. That's how it goes. The idea came from the referees committee. (laughs) Jobs for the boys. (laughs) (laughs) The game chosen for experiment was an England amateur international match. Mm. The match was between... Well, yeah, we we recently spoke about them, actually. But no, it wasn't quite that. It was the North versus the South. 
Oh, they should bring that back. That wouldn't get that wouldn't get fractious and unpleasant at all. Huh. That'd be fine. As Wardy says in his next <laughs> sentence, it was a bad choice. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure if he means doing it as north versus south or having two referees and two linesmen. Or maybe all of it. Maybe the whole thing just reeks of badness. I feel like two referees would just get in the way and unless you I don't know. It'll it's be explained. Not- yeah, it's not high impact enough. I mean, as we know, as we've talked about a few times, ice hockey, that definitely yeah. warrants having as many eyes on the game as possible. Yeah, there's like, how many are there in hockey? I feel like there's only two, but then there's also, I think, another couple of guys skating about, possibly for security purposes. Yeah, they only, like, they only get involved like to break up fights, don't they? Yeah. The amateurs were so well-behaved that the system was not even tested. What? Oh. Guys, could you not, like, two-foot each other a little bit? We're trying to do a thing here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say about pies? <laughs> oh, you heard you, Northern Monkey. <laughs> I can't see London. Don't worry about it. One clear-cut penalty was awarded, converted by Sims, and that's about as exciting as it got for the refs and it says there was barely enough action for one referee let alone two thanks Wardy (laughs) always look forward to Tuesdays (laughs) so predictions on the score lads who's going to win the north or the south I feel like in these days the north would just had more football going on so I'll say 3-1 to the north alright you see, I'd say all the Northern players are tired from being in the pits for 18 hours. So, All right, Wardy. <laughs> Unfortunately, the sun was out that day, so they just like shriveled and died. <laughs> Go on then, Bax, what score? Oh, sorry. Uh, well, we know there's a penalty, so 2-0 uh, to the south. I can tell you that Tom is absolutely on fire at the moment. It was 3-1 to the north. Yeah, I am past prediction machine. Click, 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 click. You're becoming somewhat of a football guru in your latter years. I'm like that guy that lived in on that Pacific island that um, what's his face sent videotapes to that to get them analysed. What Tom Hanks? Did I dream this? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that you sent this to to us, Baxter. A man was on an island and <sighs> he sent some videotapes to get analysed. Yeah, it was like... <laughs> the more I say this, the more I say I sound. That's the problem. <laughs> it was like Terry Venables or something and this guy was like one of the first football um, like an- 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 analyst guys. Did he draw a face on a football? For fuck's sake, I'm going to go back to our chat because I'm. I want to know whether I dreamt this now. I just don't even know what you're on about. <laughs> I'll carry on reading. The referees at Chester were Dr. A. W. Barton. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> That's a bit I, of a gut reaction. And then Mr. E. Wood of Sheffield. Now, I like that name because, of course, Blackburn's ground is E. Wood Park, and I like to think that they named it after him. Oh, I read it as like Mystery Wood, as in, like, they've got this tree that they don't know what it is. Ooh. Best kind. 
That is good. Mystery. Yeah, I, Mystery I have to on that side, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> He's not been called into HR because of this Mystery Wood. Early in the game, they were tempted across the halfway line a few times before they realised they were more limited responsibilities. So I think like with linesmen, they basically were in a half each for this experiment. I guess it's yeah, it's the only way you'd do it, really, isn't it? Maybe they just weren't fit enough back then to keep up with play. Didn't know anything about nutrition or sports science or shit like that. They just used to eat pasties and smoke ten fags before they went out to play. Sounds mm. great, to be fair, but you know. Onlookers wondered what would happen if an incident occurred in one referee's half and the other was in a better position to judge. Who would decide then? How does he know that onlookers wondered that? <laughs> what's his what's his source material here? <laughs> yeah, I'm not doubting him. Just show us you're working, don't it? A second attempt was made later that season. The same two referees, Barton and Wood, were given control of a professional international game. How is this even a professional game? England against the rest. <laughs> it's very schoolyard, isn't it? Mm. Us three stick a lot of it. Yeah, the three like kids whose paturity glands like went into overdrive versus the prepubescent boys. Mm. Again, the outcome was inconclusive as there was not enough work for the two men. The football association might have learned more from a competition where the referees were stretched, perhaps at local league level, rather than the games at Chester and West Bromwich. Observers' reactions were generally negative. How's How he... is he? Is he? Yeah, is he asking the question? Is he just finding people and saying, "Do you remember that game back in the nineteen thirty-five? <laughs> Two referees." I reckon he has a time machine. He just goes back to these really dull encounters, or he's um, just gambling on no one caring enough. Well, you'd be pleased have... to know. You'd be pleased to know. Just let me conclude here that the idea never caught on. Fair enough. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, and the detail was never quite worked out. I have wondered in my younger days about four linesmen because I think, you know, if if, if a ball goes out for throwing right in the corner on the side where the linesman's at the closest he can be is on the halfway line, it's quite a long way. But I don't know. It's obviously it didn't take off for a reason, did it? I do wonder why you were spending your younger days thinking about four linesmen. Thinking about linesmen? <laughs> so every young boy's dream is to grow up to be a linesman. Absolutely. He wouldn't be doing it in the two linesman system. No, it's too much running, isn't it? Anyway. Actually, no more running before you write in. Yeah. I'm not insane. VHS tape sent to the South Pacific, how football's data boom began. The University of the South Pacific. Um, Graham Taylor sent this like bearded mathematician bloke videotapes in the post to his university in Fiji because he wanted um, he wanted some tips on winning the milk cup. I, the detail that it was in the South Pacific completely threw me there. I was concentrating on that rather than the analytical side of things. I remember the story now. I just didn't realise where it was. I mean, it seems unnecessary. Why not send it to like a uni in London? Whatever. Okay. 
I thought I fully thought I'd gone insane and just had like a really weird specific dream where I made up a ridiculous football story, which will probably start happening eventually. As long as it's more interesting than this story. Yeah, I didn't listen to any of that because I was too busy trying to find this, but it sounded dull. Mm. We've got a, a, one more sentence left just to just to show you what you've missed. Despite the fact that the idea had never been instigated, had it gone ahead, we might today have players voting in the dressing rooms for referee of the match. <laughs> oh, Wardy. <laughs> Wardy jokes. <laughs> oh, yes, it's Wardy night and the tales are shut. Yes, it's Wardy night. He's a boring man. He is not a sexually active man. <laughs> Doesn't know what a boob is. But he is one. <laughs> Can I take this opportunity to bring you a live score from the Southern League South playoffs? Please. One it's all. now Hayes and Yedding 2. Western oh. nil. Nightmare. Oh. Bad West, news. Western are dead. Down the West. Yeah. Just fold the club Never now. Mind. Fold the club now. Yeah. Yeah, it's no point going on, is it? That is a shame. Good to do our first ever live score update while recording, though. I'm sure oh, Okay. in eight days' time when this gets released, people will appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if people are getting their news from podcasts, but yeah, there we go. Maybe they'll start. But just quickly, does before we decide that that indeed wasn't speak football, what was the his Wardy's title for that one? He called it the game with two refs. Oh, for goodness sake. He'd be a terrible poker player, wouldn't he? Well, no, what he'd be doing is he'd be commentating on his hand as it was drawn. The hand with three kings. <laughs> <laughs> Fold. Oh, what a guy. Never ceases to amaze. Shall we move on to the avalanche at Aston? Yeah. <laughs> Which actually is a, a Wardy title. That's that's um, copyrighted Wardy, avalanche at Aston. Quite a good title. <laughs> Any clues as to what it might be about? Um, I think it's the most mountainous area, Aston, in Birmingham. Is Does he mean an avalanche of goals? Ooh, Ooh. maybe. It could be, couldn't it? Let's move in. Before the away game, bottom of the league, Aston Villa, Arsenal centre-forward Ted Drake was worried because he hadn't been scoring too well. You, you just don't get that sort of honesty with strikers anymore, do you? Oh, I've not been scoring many goals recently. I'm like, well, you know what you want to do about that, friend? Score some fucking goals. Hang a load in, you moron. In fact, what he did was he contacted his manager, George Allison, who was in the hospital. The Arsenal manager is in hospital. He's sat in his, in his possibly his deathbed. A little letter comes into his room. Steady on, does. Don't kill the man off. We don't know. Wow. About well, it's worst case scenario. What I'm saying yeah, it was is... It was the old days. So, you know, yeah. if you went to hospital, you just either came out with a limb sawn off or died. Well, yeah, yeah basically. Come out of the box. But anyway, he's got this letter through. He's opened it up. Oh, this is a letter from, from Ted Drake, my best centre forward. I wonder what he's got to say. I'm worried because I haven't been scoring too well. 
<laughs> and I'm about to have my bollocks off, lad. <laughs> I've got bigger problems. But anyway, no, George Allison, he did take the time to write back and he wrote Dear back. Ted, I am not your fucking mother. <laughs> Do some training. The, the letter of encouragement basically told him to go out there and get a sack full of goals against Villa, which of course may have been another reference to the testicle surgery he was about to have. Yeah. Mm. Or- Do it for me, knackers, Ted. Get a sack full because I certainly can't anymore. <laughs> Hi, On paper, it was not an easy fixture. Although Villa were bottom of the first division, they had spent a lot of money signing new players. Hmm. Interesting in 1935. You never heard of big transfers going on, did you? Probably about 10 no, They were all just local lads, weren't they? Who worked in the, uh, in the local foundry and then put their boots on on Saturday afternoon. That was it. Apparently, Villa were breaking the trend, spending lots of money. Their new team contained six international players, and it seemed only a matter of time before they put together some good results. So, is it today? Is today the day? The crowd must have formed the same impression during the first 20 minutes of the game against Arsenal. Villa did most of the attacking, but just could not score. Then Arsenal got a counter-attack, and Ted Drake scored with his first shot. And okay. I just imagine if this was modern day, when he scored that goal, he would have gone into his sock and pulled out the letter from the manager and just lifted it aloft to the crowd. And of course, none of the crowd would have known that it was a letter from the manager saying get a sack full of goals. But it would have still made match of the day. He'd have either mind writing a letter in reply or having testicle surgery. You mind that? I'm trying to mind me. It's not really an audio feature. <laughs> right, next time we all meet up, we need to try and invent a goal celebration, which is a man having testicle <laughs> surgery. <laughs> so Ted Drake scored from his first shot. He also scored with his second shot, his third shot, his fourth, fifth and sixth shots. What? Whoa. Classic Wardy pacing there. Come from well, yeah. three paragraphs about a guy who was worried about scoring to half a sentence about how he banged six in. And we don't know why the manager is in hospital either. I mean, obviously, we do know he's bollocks, but well, you know, there is, we, there is no we official. We know. We know. If we do a revised version of this book, we should just add our own notations in. Oh, God, yeah. Contacted his manager, George Allison, who was in hospital at the time, having bollock surgery. <laughs> Instantly. It's Intre- so much better. Yeah, much better. <laughs> Being treated for scurvy. So, yeah, he's banged in six goals in six shots. He hit the crossbar with his seventh, then slammed in his seventh goal with his eighth attempt of the day. Arsenal won 7-1. Pale Fork scored for Villa shortly after Drake had notched his second hat-trick. Pale Thorpe. That's a Victorian name. Oh, it is, isn't it? Palethorpe, stop coughing up blood. I don't pay you to die of consumption. Drake, in fact, scored a hat-trick in each half. His fifth and sixth goals were struck with the supreme confidence of a man who had just received an encouraging letter from his manager. No, it doesn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) It actually says... 
the supreme confidence of a man who just could not miss the target. And who couldn't, you know, tell himself, uh, buck up when it's when you've got one, they'll they'll still like it'll be like breaking the dams. Yeah. He had to get he had to get a man on his bollocks deathbed. So like Yeah. High as a kite on morphine. Yeah. <laughs> look look, Jerry. Ted. Whatever, Jerry, Ted. <laughs> I don't know what I asked you at the moment, but I absolutely smashed it. <laughs> what 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 sport is this again? Oh, I hate football. P.S. If you're wondering what those two ink splotches on the back of the page are, <laughs> it's my bollocks dipped in ink, and that is my bollocks signature for the last time. I want you to remember these bad boys. <laughs> Let them inspire you. Bollock signatures is a great thing to do. If we start a Patreon, like that can be the top tier sub. <laughs> Bollock signatures from all, from all, from all of us. Yeah. Or if ever we got to the stage where we were doing live events at the end, we'd be like, can you sign my book? <laughs> can you sign my t-shirt? All right. Whip the hangs down. <laughs> well, there, that's another good idea that we've invented there. Bollock signing. Ted Drake, a £6,000 signing from Southampton, was still in his early 20s. The next year, he scored Arsenal's cup-winning goal at Wembley and he helped them to two league championships. He won five England caps and, as a manager, took Chelsea to the championship in 1955. Although he is remembered by many for that sensational day at Villa Park when he had earned the headlines such as Drake's Armada and nice. Avalanche at Aston. Drake's Armada is a good, good title, actually. And you'll be interested to know, because this is an actual, not a wardy fact, uh, a Daz supplementary fact. Seven... <laughs> Daz supplementary fact. Thank you. I've always wanted a jingle. Right. Seven goals in a game by one player in the top flight is still to this day the record. Ah, well then. All the way back in 1935 when he banged his seven goals in has never been beaten. And I think not necessarily peak football but it's a peak moment in football. Yeah. It was a good one. Yeah. Enjoyed. Bollock surgery. Yeah. Seven goals. Yeah. A crisis of confidence. You know, managers on sort of hallucinogenic drugs. It's all good. Just balls all over the place, really. Yeah. If yeah, if that had happened these days, there'd definitely be an Amazon Prime documentary about it. Just called Balls. With a Z. Yeah. So now we have managed to get to the third story. I don't know how long we've been going on for, but we're gonna go for it. It's nineteen thirty-six. And I've had to rename this one because again he's just given what happens away in the title but I've decided to call this one Another Painful Day to be a Gas Fan <laughs> Yeah Thought it was quite a nice one for you lads there yeah. Here we go then It's Easter Monday at Kenilworth Road Luton Town preparing for a third division South game against Bristol Rovers 
discovered that they had two centre forwards on the injury list. As soon as that was read, you know what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. The gas are in town. You've got nice strikers. You're going to batter them somehow. Yeah. Manager Ned Liddell opted for Joe Kane as a replacement. Kane was a reserve wing half, which just doesn't sound good, does it? No, uh, see, like I don't, I don't know whether reserve like denotes his position in the team hierarchy or whether that's an oldie timey position, like a you know inverted winger. Oh yeah, okay, like a half back, but he's a reserve half back. Yeah. Well, I think it just meant he wasn't very good. Or was he? We'll soon find out. He had some experience of playing in the forward line, but was certainly not a regular in the Luton first team. Oh, there you go. So he was actually a reserve player. There was no early hint of what was to come. Payne collected a goal in the 23rd minute and Roberts soon made it 2-0 to Luton against the run of play, apparently. But five minutes before half-time, the game could have gone either way. So, 2-0, close game. The reserve lads managed to score a goal. And then we get the classic change of pace from Wardy. (laughs) Then, in the second half, Joe Payne scored nine goals in 40 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard of this guy. Whoosh! Lincoln, you missed wow. it. That's mad. Surely that's still the record. With three headers and seven shots, Joe Payne had scored 10 goals on his first ever game as a centre forward. And then he went on, lo- on loan to uh, Biggles Wade Town. <laughs> Sorry, I just oh. looked him up. <laughs> oh, did oh. he actually? Yeah. What? <laughs> What? Is, uh, oh no, sorry. This is this is before he um, committed a war crime on Bristol Rovers. In case you were wondering, a guy called Martin scored in the last minute to make the final score: Luton twelve, Bristol Rovers nil. Jesus Christ! I wonder if anyone stayed to the end. You want to get back and beat the Easter Monday traffic, don't you? Well, we stay till the end. Nope. No. <laughs> no, just... that's plenty. But yeah, that is um, unsurprisingly still Bristol Rovers' biggest league defeat. I imagine that will never be topped. Well, you'd hope not. Yeah, yeah. That is just yeah. It's to think a professional game finishing twelve nil. I don't think I remember the last time you saw double figures in a... Rovers once beat um, Weymouth 15-1 in uh, 1990. 1990. 1-9-0-0. Numbers are hard. 1900. <laughs> that one. Ah, 15-1. That's a decent game. I love how you can score 15 and still let the opposition score 1. How does that happen? Giving up. The previous individual scoring record was nine 
obviously don't forget in the last story, Ted Drake's was top flight, so that's why it's it's that was seven. This is nine, and Joe Payne's record of ten in a football league game was held ever since. I'm not sure if it still is, but if it is, then within a year, we've seen the top flight record made and never broken, and the well, whatever it was called back then, the Football League record as well. Payne, a former Derbyshire coal miner. Here we go. <laughs> was <laughs> You don't even know that, Wardy. Stop making this up. Yeah, I do. He's from the north. <laughs> Simple logic, lads. He was 22 at the time. Two years later, in 1938, he went to Chelsea for two grand and he was already an England international during the war, he twice broke his ankle and never added to the one cap he won against Finland, where he scored two goals. Yeah, Despite so the did. fact that his career was pretty much ruined by, ironically, breaking his ankle during the war and not during a football match. It's still quite impressive to be able to say that he's got a cap and two goals. Basically means he's got possibly the greatest ever international goal scoring per minute yeah. record apparently after the war he played um a game for his hometown club chesterfield in an 8-0 win over Notts county so i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to see whether he scored in that but well hang on because despite his broken ankle after the war as you said he did come back and did play and he actually played for west ham and only managed to saw, score six goals in nine months, which was four less than he'd managed in 60 minutes for Luton in that sensational day. Yeah. Just a flash in the pan, wasn't it? It's just Bristol Rovers, isn't it? Certainly is. Good story. Yeah, I never I never goals. I never knew about that. I thought I knew a lot about oh. Rovers, but mm. Very dull, heavy episode. Hmm. Yeah, it was a goal heavy episode, but also it's got two of those goal scoring records, which we can't bother to check, but we'll assume they remain undefeated. The Rovers one is yeah. definitely undefeated. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And that, that, yeah, like you said, that'll probably never be beaten. So there we go. That's a triple threat of Wardy goodness for the listeners which now must mean we're on to everybody's favourite segments of the oh, yeah. podcast. I like it. Are you smarter than a groundhopper? So, I'm not even going to bother making you two go away because actually, no, I have to, don't I? Otherwise, it doesn't work. Daz, you can answer first. Um, Daz, for one sweetie, and to break the nil-nil deadlock, which former football player had the nickname The Axe? <laughs> the Axe? The oh, Axe. Weird nickname. The Axe. What would that even mean? What did he Was he chopping wood in between mm, the matches? I wonder. I wonder. Was it Michael Chopra? Get out of my quiz room. I thought it was a good guess. Get out. 
get out. Baxter, Sorry, you'll Coach. enjoy my answer. You'll enjoy my answer. Has he not come back? No, I'm back. I'm back. Oh, yes. I, okay. I didn't want to interrupt anyone. Andy Baxter. Ooh. For one sweetie, right. which former football player had the nickname The Axe? Is there any more info in the question than that? Christ. No. no. To go on, is there? Um, former footballer nicknamed the Axe. Let's sort of, come on, let's try and put some sense into this. I really want to get through this entire pack of cards and you guys not to have answered a single question. That would, <laughs> that would bring me joy. We got the Steve McLaren one. Wow. No. Yeah, that was easy. So like a hard tackling defender or someone like that. Um, Terry Butcher. No, it's better answer than Daz though. The correct answer was Vinny Jones. I was going to say that, but it seemed too obvious. It seemed too obvious. Well, are you trying to argue? Are you trying to argue with Professor Puzzle, Andy Baxter? Do you think that Professor Puzzle doesn't research his football trivia? Absolutely not. I'm sure when he was just up and coming and he was just plain old Mr. Puzzle, then um, you know, maybe they'd have taken taken a bit of issue with Before him. He got but, his yeah, puzzle he got doctorate set. doctorate. Yeah, once he, once he got his doctorate, then yeah, fine. That's a defer to his experience. Fair enough. Oh well, nil nil. Oh, what did you say? That's actually out of interest. I said I don't because, have to listen to it. Because it's the axe, and I said, is he chopping wood? And then I got to the answer of Michael Chopra. It could have been. Okay. <laughs> Better than Vinny Jones. He's never been called the actor. It is. No, he hasn't. Maybe not. Okay, who, well. Who, can I just ask, who's made these cards? Is it you? Professor fucking Puzzle, I told you. All oh, right. I thought you were calling yourself that. I wish. I'm just going to... <laughs> oh dear! Type in the axe, um, and I'm sure the first thing that comes up is Vinnie Jones. I have just searched for the word axe in his Wikipedia article, and there is nothing. I think this might be made up. I don't know. Right, I'm having uh, the point, man. I'm having the point. I was closest. Michael Chopra. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he the first Indian player to play in the Premier League? I know that about him. Bonus point for that, surely. The only source I can find for this nickname is Pinterest. Yeah, garbage man. <laughs> oh well, it's the fun garbage to watch man's struggle. a better. The garbage man's a better nickname for a footballer. I take that. Mm. The garbage man. On Faris home, then Andrew Baxter. What do donkeys on Western Beach get for lunch? Half an uh, hour. <laughs> Decent good stuff. That's that, ground. That's the one I forgot the other day. I was inspired when I was at the beach. So um yeah, there you go. Did you see the donkey on its lunch break and thought, oh that'll make dad joke? <laughs> we're go. talking about whether how old Hazel has to be before she can have a go or whether she's at all interested. Mm-hmm. They're right to passage, I suppose, isn't it? I'm down uh, on a donk. I used to hate it. You stink. Yeah, imagine they do. Smelly boys. They just stink and oh god, I can't be anything worse. Is it 
Is the donkeys the... Uh, what's the word when you can't have kids? I can't think of the word. Where are you going with this? <laughs> no, no, I, I want to know how you get more donkeys. Because if donkeys are... <laughs> They can't have kids. How do you get more donkeys? Are these just the original donkeys we're stuck with? Yeah, they're all like 10,000 years old. <laughs> yeah. What do they stink? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this has got to go in. Andy Baxter is doing vocal warm-ups. He's doing, he's doing a podcast with two former drama students, neither of whom are doing vocal warm-ups. Andy Baxter is doing vocal warm-ups for this shitty podcast that yeah. nobody listens to. In his dressing gown. With his silly little overhead headphones. <laughs> Leave my dressing gown alone. Sports Social Podcast Network.